Blog Talk Radio. stars there are in the sky, no matter how many galaxies swirl beyond our own, no matter what the mathematical probabilities or the number of times we say we are not alone in the universe. Our first visit from the stars province of children's stories and science fiction. Until one day, it isn't. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. You may have noticed that we started the podcast with the Strange New Worlds teaser trailer rather than our We Didn't Start the Series theme song. And that's because this is an extra special podcast just for you guys. We had so much stuff drop for Strange New Worlds that there was no way we were going to be able to squeeze all of the Strange New World stuff into our normal Thursday night podcast with everything else that we have to talk about. So I reached out to my co-host and said, look, we got to do something special. So here we are on Monday night. We are live. Our phone number here is 646 Six six eight two four three three. If you'd like to talk with us about Strange New Worlds, please give us a call. We'll be around here for the next hour and a half, two hours or so. We'll see how it goes. So give us a call, 646-668-2433. We're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds. We're going to play the brand new uh, Season 1 trailer that just dropped yesterday, and we're going to play and discuss each one of the characters and the character promos. So you want to hang out and have some fun with us. It would be highly illogical if you didn't. So I'm your most <laughs> excellent host, Uncle Jim. And um, I would like to introduce to you our, my, well, my normal co-host, Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing well uh, as a normal co-host. I'm having a very normal day. Went to work, came home from work. However, thank goodness it's Trek Talking Monday, which I'm pretty excited about, because uh, I get to Trek Talk twice this week. I know. Isn't that weird? It's usually, I, I can't wait for Trek Talk and Thursday, because that means Friday's tomorrow and the weekend's around the corner, but uh, we're doing Monday and Thursday, which is great, and that's because what's tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow, well, tomorrow, it, tomorrow is a very Tuesday. big day. Tomorrow's Tuesday, yes. and, and, and what happens on Tuesday, Jim? New things get installed, right? Absolutely, and <laughs> Tuesday is Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Cup 4K Edition drops on Paramount+. Plus. So everybody's going to watch that on Tuesday, and that leads me right into a promo, a little segue for Thursday's show. Thursday's show is going to be great for you people. 
for fans that are, are of Star Trek, the motion picture, or even if you just want to hang out and chat with us, Thursday's the day because we're going to review the 4K special edition of Star Trek, the motion picture, which drops tomorrow. Uh, but that's not all. Philo Barnhart is going to be joining us. And Philo Barnhart was one of the original animators on Star Trek, the motion picture. Way back in 1979, uh, he and a whole team of artists hand-painted every single cell of V'ger. Okay, let that sink in. There was no CGI. None of that existed back then. All the swirling lights, everything that you see in V'ger was hand-painted by an artist. Philo Barnhart was one of those artists. Uh, He worked on the Klingon um, uh, photon torpedoes. Uh, He worked on a a few other things in that movie. None of that is CGI. It's all hand-painted by an artist like Philo. And he's going to talk with us about what it was like to work on Star Trek, the motion picture originally, and get his thoughts on how the new digital 4K version compares to the one that he worked on way back in 1979. That's going to be a lot of fun. But wait, there's more. Louise Strange Wall, who was the president of Leonard Nimoy's fan club and an extra in Star Trek, the motion picture, will also be with us to share her experience about what it was like to be on that first film with DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy and, and the rest of the cast. So it's going to be a great show on Thursday night. If you're a Star Trek, the motion picture fan, you definitely want to tune in for that. But before I get ahead of myself, let me introduce my other co-hosts for tonight. First of all, I'd like to introduce the awesome kicker of Klingon butt herself. She's been on this podcast several times. She's an old friend of ours, Victoria Fox. How are you doing tonight, Victoria? It's okay for you guys. I'm doing a new setup tonight, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) That sounds cool. (laughs) I got a new tiny laptop uh, since the last time we talked. So. Oh, all right. Well, as long as as long as Trek talking is bookmarked, that's a good thing. It is actually. <laughs> you get the right <laughs> the bar. And uh, so we're going to have some fun, and we also have with us um, someone who's relatively new to the podcast, uh, the live portion of the podcast. Um, Before I introduce him, though, because he was having some technical difficulties and wasn't able to get on pre-show, we have a little, (laughs) uh, every pre-show, we have this little little thing that we do, kind of for tradition, tradition. get us pumped, get us in the mood for the the podcast. You guys don't hear it because we do it before we go live. Uh, Victoria got the treatment, and Eric got the treatment, but Paul wasn't here before we went live. So, Paul... You're going to get the treatment live. Are, are you ready? How scared are you should ready? I be? How frightened should I be, man? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Here we go. I'm giving it to you. Here we go. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet, buried alive, buried alive. Uh, <laughs> who, who needs coffee when you got that? That's, That's okay, exactly baby. right. And uh, you guys know him as Paul the Wine Guy from our wonderful, awesome segments that we did for the Star Trek Wine Armada. 
And Paul is also in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and uh, he'll be joining us tonight as well. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thanks, Commander. Excited to be here. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, there is. We're going to be talking about strange new worlds, and uh, we have a brand new trailer which dropped yesterday. I played the teaser trailer at the beginning of the podcast because I wasn't aware that there was going to be a new one. So um, before we play the new one and talk about it, though, I want to share a little bit of uh, information for you guys in case you're not aware of it. So Strange New Worlds picks up in 2258-2259, approximately six to seven years before TOS. So it's a little bit before TOS. Um, again, that time frame is, is approximate, so yeah, right around based there. On, I believe that's based on um, the reference that Spock makes to how long he's been on the Enterprise in TOS Season 1, and then kind of counting backwards from there, um, as, as I understand. Yeah, so it's, it's about that area. Um, Strange New Worlds is officially set to be released on May 5th. Uh, 2022, obviously, and run through July 7th um, on Paramount Plus. And it's going to premiere at the end of Picard Season 2 with a 10-episode run. Every Thursday we'll see a new episode. Um, The second season has already been ordered, so we're going to see at least 20 episodes of Strange New Worlds. Picard Season 2 finale and Strange New Worlds premiere will both be on Thursday, May 5th. So that's going to be a busy show for us May 5th. We're going to be wrapping up Picard and premiering Strange New Worlds, but hey, Trek talking has never been a problem for us, right, Eric? <laughs> That's right. We can, we've got enough uh, love for everything out there. What a great problem yeah. to have. I know, right? Isn't that a- <laughs> on it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much Star True. Trek. It's great. You know, believe it or not, Victoria, there was a time not too long ago oh, when yeah. we had a two-hour show to fill, and believe it or not, no Star Trek. Every and so week we were talking. We, we would pick episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dark days. Yeah. Yeah. We would talk I mean, was, about things like. It was like, fun, but. Ugh. It was. Yeah. Just compared you to know, what we got now, it was a totally different animal. Yeah, that's why the podcast is, uh, was truck talking and beyond because we had to go beyond Star Trek. But now we don't we never have to go beyond because no. we got Star Trek all the time, which is a great problem. So, you know, Jim, what it, it was really a week to go beyond at this point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that it kind of started with uh, the comics. Remember, like when once Discovery started and then they started producing all those comics, that's when we started making that transition away from the and beyond, uh, because I think the last and beyond things we talked about were things like, you know, altered carbon season one, which was how many years ago at this point? So it, you know. It's it's been we've been gorging on Star Trek for just a little while. Well, you guys did introduce me to Doctor Who and Jodie Whittaker, and we we did a whole season on Jodie Whittaker, Doctor Who. We did. That is true. And you guys answered all the questions for me, who I know yeah. nothing about any of that, so <laughs> I was completely out of my element. Why so, should I be afraid of the Weeping Angels? I don't understand. Yeah, what, we're like, damn, what's the Weeping oh, Angels? What? <laughs> What's this screwdriver thing that she weighs all over oh, the tripod? What is that? Sonic. I mean, yeah, well, I'm so, glad that before we got this wealth of Star Trek, there was an opportunity to broaden your horizons because I'm also a big Doctor Who fan, and I don't think you should miss out on that. So 
Yeah, it, it did. It, I, I, I got into it. And, and I have to say, I, I love, I love what Jodie Whittaker has done with Doctor Who. I know that's not a popular opinion, but uh, being introduced to Doctor Who through her, I'm, okay, wait a minute, let me go back. Everybody's a Tom Baker fan. I mean, I, I watched him <laughs> on TV with the scarf when I was a kid. But then I drifted away from that and then didn't come back to it till Jodie Whittaker. So I have no idea what happened between him and her. Let me put it that way. Um, so, yeah, that was that was back in the, the dark days. <laughs> now, now let's get back on now, track. We're rabbit holing, Jim. We're rabbit holing. Now we, now we got Star Trek galore. So... Uh, Another piece of news that dropped from season one uh, is that Paul Wesley from the Vampire Diaries will be playing James T. Kirk in season two of Strange New World, which we won't see till 2023. So uh, they're already, you know. It's pretty cool. We've got two vampires now who have come uh, out of the shadows and given us different roles. We got Paul Wesley in this role. And of course, we had uh, Robert Pattinson as the Batman. uh, That's right. Yeah, it's been kind of funny. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And uh, also, uh, which which we see in the trailer, uh, actress Gia San, what's her name? Sandu. Sandu, yeah. Will be playing uh, in three episodes of the series as to Pring. And if you think yeah. about it, it's only a 10-episode run, and she's in three of them. Um, yeah, and she and so, we see a little bit of her in some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm I'm when we get to those, I want to talk about to Pring and uh, what's up with her in this series. I'm very interested. Yeah, and we actually see there's uh, when we play the Spock trailer, there's a lot with to bring in that trailer, which I can't wait to talk about. So um, yeah, and actually we we have we have a caller on the line. Woo-hoo. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Hey, hello, thank you for calling <laughs> Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? This is Shannon. I'm calling from Kentucky. Shannon from Kentucky. <laughs> The whole gang is here. It's like a reunion here. It it's a big reunion. Uh, yeah, except I've never met anybody. But that's okay. Right. Yes, you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> Hopefully at some point you meet us. That's true. Some, some, we'll all get together at a convention at some point in time. I'll bring the Klingon blood mm-hmm. wine that's sitting on my mm-hmm. shelf. We'll crack the blood wine and we'll have a good time. So, um, Deal. Are you guys ready to dive into some strange new worlds? What do you think? Do it. Yes. Is it time? It's time. Okay. Yes. So a brand new trailer dropped yesterday, which is called Season One. <laughs> so I, I guess the trailer that we saw before was just not Season One, but this one is particularly titled Season One. Uh, so I guess all the scenes that are in this are strictly from Season One, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, it's an interesting trailer. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. And uh, have all you guys had an opportunity to watch it yet? Oh, yeah. I hope. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Oh, yeah. So so here's the trailer, Strange New Worlds, Season 1. We're going to play it, and then we're going to dive right in. Start the stars. 
push the boundaries of what is known and what is possible. I'm standing on the surface of a comet. I love this job. This crew, I believe we can do anything. You want to seek out new life? Go where the aliens are. Your presence is blasphemy. Let's talk about this. Find some comfort. I think that went well. Perhaps we should kiss. That seems logical. Maybe we don't touch anything else. Just a suggestion. The whole future hangs in the balance. No one can know the future. One can only follow one's instincts. You're the best of Starfleet. Our ability to work together, that's our greatest strength. Let's show them what you got. So let me start off by saying I love the music. It, it's so TOS-y. It's got that, that, that classic Star Trek-esque sound to it. Um, and, and I love it because it, it pulls you. You immediately say, this is Star Trek. So that, that's, that's the first thing I noticed about the trailer. I also got to say to you guys, my wife um, hates, can't stand any Star Trek except for what? TNG and Picard. She loves TNG. She loves Picard. The rest of it, she doesn't care. However, <laughs> however, the trailer dropped yesterday, and I had to watch it, and she came in and said, what's this? Is this that more Star Trek crap? I said, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? She sat down, and she watched it, and then made me watch it. Well, she didn't twist my arm that hard, but watch it again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> She says, my wife now, who hates TOS, she thinks it's cheesy, cheap, and crappy, and she hates it, and that's her opinion, so yeah. that's fine. But she says to me, those look like Tholian, those look like the suits they were wearing in a Tholian web, and I fell off the couch. Ooh. I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait, you remember the Tholian web and the spacesuits? What else are you holding mm-hmm. out on me? And um, th- then she says to me, she says, is that the guy in the wheelchair with them stupid flashing lights on him? I said, yes, that's the guy. You remember that too? Wow. So, yeah. And so she sat down and she said, this looks like it's going to be really good. And I want to watch this. I said, you, you want, okay, well, then sit down and we'll watch it again. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we watched all we watched all the promos and we watched the trailer I just played for you guys four times. And so the wow. promo the the advertising people at Paramount that are putting these things together in, in my opinion are really hitting their stride because somebody like my wife who thinks TOS is cheap, cheesy and crappy, doesn't like it at all, sat down and watched it and said, I want to see this, it looks good. And that's from a non Trek person. Okay, I indoctrinated her over the last 40 years. But besides that, um, so <laughs> she's a trick they, mu- person. they yeah. must be doing something right. I'm telling you, they must be. Well, the so, trailer is very, uh, it, like this trailer 
trailer in particular has a ton of kind of action and momentum to it. I mean, the soundtrack in it is great. It's, it's made to like catch your eye and kind of reel you right in. It shows you just enough um, kind of, uh, of the of the background information if you're a Trek fan to kind of understand what's going on and if you're not a Trek fan it just shows you lots of cool adventure and, and different mm-hmm. types of scenes and stuff um, yeah I so think, I think, I think, I think the trailer is made to just pull you in go ahead yeah I think that's something that is really strong about this uh, it does appeal to you know the old school Trekkies Um but at the same time, like with Jim's wife, it stands completely on its own. It's it's not just simply leaning on the nostalgia of TOS and trying to reel in those fans who you know maybe haven't been as happy with the newer Trek. It's it's doing its own thing in a way that honors that, but draws in people who don't care, who think that TOS was cheesy and dumb or is just outdated or what have you. Mm-hmm. But it it's engaging on its own merits in a way that I think is really incredible while also still honoring the canon. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I, 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 when I, I was paying attention, I don't, I don't know if you guys paid attention. When I watched it, I was watching it specifically looking for the background, the sets, the way they look mm-hmm. and, and the, the hallways, the, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the, like, um, sick bay, the bridge, um, to see how they had updated them compared to what we, we saw in TOS. And, um, like Victoria said, a sick bay is updated, but it's still similar. You still have the glass shells with the, the skulls mm-hmm. the different things on them that McCoy had, but it's more of an updated, you know, modern look than we saw in the sixties. But as I point out to fans on our Facebook page, it's not 1963 anymore. It's 2023. And, you know, things have changed in the last 55 years. So this is, this is what, what Star Trek would have looked like had they done it now in 63, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm digging it. I'm really digging it. What do you think, Paul? What, what do you think about the trailer? I think it's really fantastic and echo everything that's been said so far. Um, they they know that they've got to make it something that can stand alone by itself. It, it's got to be independently enjoyable, and they're not trying to, like, you know, do a paint-by-numbers thing where it's purely fan service. They're trying to tell a good story, and it, it seems like they – you know, when they said, let's not get caught up in doing a long connected story arc like we get every season of Discovery, right? Where it's basically, you know, the whole story is mapped out of this whole season. This is more episodic. You know, what they always used to call the, the planet of the week kind of a thing, right? And that lends itself yes. to so much more yes. variety. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about all the individual episode, uh, or excuse me, the individual character promos that they've done. But throughout those and throughout the uh, the main trailer, the, the the through line is fun, right? It's like you're getting a lot of epic adventure, and that's great, and you're getting all the stuff that feels like it should be Star Trek. But for every, you know, moment of awe, there's a moment of hilarity, too. And I think it's, they're very engaging. They cast the heck out of this thing. 
And all these new characters just look absolutely wonderful. So I'm super excited for where they're going. And the look is, you know, I think it's good fealty to the original show. It really is, right? I mean, you could play basketball in sick bay. It's so big. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know. But uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's like the ship's almost got the Doctor Who thing, where it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, right? But uh, but who cares? It just looks fantastic. I mean, you're you're you know, old school fans have always loved Pike and that whole mythology of you know Pike oh, back in the day well, from the original don't get pilot. Me started on Pike. And now here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. It's so great that we're going to finally get some decent stories there, and they've you know, cast some terrific people and created some new characters uh, and yet brought back some that we fondly remember from the old show. So it's a, I think they really uh, sat down and, and I don't know if they, if it was just all of the writers group or how to what degree they, they really listened to fans on this one, but it sure feels like they listened to fans because uh, I feel like they've they've got something that seems like it's very carefully engineered and it's going to just be a, a ridiculous crowd pleaser. I mean, everything we've seen so far just screams hit. And, you know, we talked about this like ages ago when we first heard this, when, when, when Anthem Out was playing Pike on Discovery and all the rumors were swirling and we saw the short all the short tracks with Pike and number one and Spock and, you know, they're going to make a show and, and it's all going to be episodic, but... Um, I don't think I, I don't think I think we're going to see a hybrid type of a show. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean that's pretty I, I clear think, with their announcement yeah. that Topring is going to be in three episodes. That means that you've got a little mini arc in there, all about Spock and Topring, right? Right. I think it's going to be episodic. I don't. I think fans that are expecting a TOS or a TNG type of series are going to be disappointed because I don't think that we're going to fly, we're going to battle the Borg, Picard's going to get assimilated, become Locutus, kill a bunch of people, next week go to the vineyard and make some wine. I don't think... Well, but they're not going to... Jamie, I would say say they're not going to see that, but I don't think they're going to be disappointed because I think Paul's got it uh, on the head here where he says, you know, it has the essence of that. It has the essence of the planet of the week type thing going on versus the 10 episode arc, which it's so funny how we used to, you know, 26 used to be the, the kind of like bar that we reached for. And now we're talking about the differences mm-hmm. between a 10 episode arc and probably at most what we'll see is like a, like a DS nine style thing where we saw little mini arcs within an overall season thing. That's what I'm thinking. I, I you know, maybe they're going to leave Spock on Vulcan and come back and get him, and we're going to flush back and forth to, to Spock on Vulcan or something like that, where um, he's just not going to go down, kill some dude, take his wife, and then forget about it in the next episode. I think there's going to be repercussions <laughs> of what happens from week to week to week, you know? I mean, since this is our part of the show where we're talking about these things generally, maybe, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to wait till the Anson Mountain promo to talk about this. I got a good topic to talk about once we get to that. Okay. Oh, I yeah, well, we're, 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 we're saving the best for last. No Anson yeah, yeah, Mount yeah. till the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, Shannon, what did you think about the trailer? Did you like it? Oh, I really did, but I did have a question because I'm going to assume this is after we saw him on Discovery. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because obviously, when he saw his ending, it's yeah. going to impact him. But I hope he still is like the same awesome guy we saw at the beginning, where that's not going to change with how he, you know, is it captain? 
Let's dig into that deeper once we get to his promo because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, Shannon. I haven't like that, seen that his whole promo. Same. I've got thoughts there too. All right. Yeah. Well, you'll listen to it, but it, you'll get to hear it. Like that's a big deal, I think. In this, in this I do. Yeah. I do think though, Shannon. I um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just spitballing here. I don't have any connections mm-hmm. to Paramount. They don't call me and say, okay. Jim, what do you think about this? Okay. I'm just. Okay. They don't you, ask you, you, you. Why not? No, they should. <laughs> But, um, oh. you know, in the cage, we, we saw mm-hmm. Captain Pike having doubts about his crew and losing the, the, the crew members <laughs> on the planet and whatnot. And he was drinking right. with Dr. Boyd and thinking about leaving and going to an Orion slave camp or wherever he was going with the slave women or whatever. Uh, and, and he was doubting his command at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the new Pike that we see on Discovery um, uh, at least I didn't get the opinion that he doubted anything about himself. However, knowing what he knows now, which the Pike that we saw on TOS didn't, the new Pike does. When the trailer starts off, he obviously isn't a Starfleet captain at that point. So I'm wondering if maybe we're going to see him, the, 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 the story start off with him coming back to Starfleet. I mean, I don't know, but maybe we'll, we'll have to see. Can I, I have I have a thought about that. Can I? So, but it's not about them. But um, I know you all know I had a stroke last year. So instead of slowing down or whatever, I'm still going full speed because I don't know how else to do it. So maybe his character is going back to who he is. It doesn't matter if he knows the ending. He's just going to go because you don't have a choice at that point. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see how they handle it. But two days after my stroke, I asked the doctor if I could still have go to run for office. He's like, okay, sure. I'm like, okay. And that's what I've been doing the last year. So. Yeah, I saw the goat yeah. pictures. They they were cute. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So um, are you guys ready to talk about the first character? characters. I just want to say that um, – that's something I'm really excited about with this show. Uh, I, I think that you guys and I have talked about this previously, that one of the things I've always loved about Star Trek and was a little bit frustrated and disappointed by with Discovery was uh, mm-hmm. the ensemble. You know, um, we get all of these little individual character promos that to me tells me that the powers that be have heard that and they're listening. And I'm really hopeful that what we're going to see here is we're going to have, you know, a full arc for the season, a full story for the world, you know, level, but that on the smaller level, as we go through that, we'll get these smaller arcs for the characters and we won't just be, um, seeing little snippets, you know, really quick that are, you know, there and then gone. We'll actually maybe get to dig into some of these characters. So I'm really excited to see these individual promos, uh, you know, both characters that we know that we're going to get to take a new look at um, and characters that are, are completely new that have me just full of questions of what are they going to be? Where are we going to go with that? So well, you know, there's one character promo that they neglected to show us. Maybe they'll show us later, and that's that's the Beck character. <laughs> you know, they, um, they as, left as, as they say from from your lips 
to uh, the, the the Paramount executive's ears, right? <laughs> yeah, she she's not there, not yet. Anyways, maybe she'll show up in season two of Captain Kirk. <laughs> hey, we you can know, hope. I, I would be all right with that. <laughs> that would be cool. So um, the first character that we want to talk about um, tonight is a character played by uh, by Bruce Horick, who's legally blind, and he plays yeah. a character mm-hmm. Hammer. And uh, he's a legally blind A&R. Uh, now, it's been said two different ways. I, I don't know which way is correct. Uh, E&R or A&R, uh, but yeah, uh, he's a white I mean, historian. Yeah, okay, you, guys are, be clear, you guys remember, like, Enterprise, they were A&Rs. And he said right. E&R mm-hmm. in, this, in this promo for whatever reason. Right, he calls himself yeah. an E&R, but on Enterprise, they oh. were A&R. So I, I don't know if well, that's he's the character. So it's up to him, uh, right? Right. He, right. So he's a white Andorian, and he's 90% mm-hmm. blind, and he lost his child, um, his uh, eyesight due to cancer as a child. So that's the, that's the background information we have so far on the character of Hemmer. Uh, he's blind, and the actor is blind, too, which is interesting, because the last time we saw a blind character, a blind engineer in particular, was Jory LaForge. But he had the visor. Um, the visor hasn't been invented yet, so Hemmer is completely, well, 90% blind. So we'll have to see how he handles that. So here is the character promo for Hemmer. Storm's only getting closer, Enterprise. Transporter room to engineering. Hemmer, I'm losing them. Let's try it now. How did you? I am a genius. Hemmer may not be able to see, but his other senses compensate. Compensate? They are superior. Humans waste so much life worrying about death. The Enar believe the end only comes once you have fulfilled your purpose. So what was your purpose? To fix what is broken. So I love this guy already. To fix what is broken. Yeah. Classic line. Classic line. And, you know, Spock says that his other senses make up for the difference. Um, I just like the character. I mean, we... Andorians have been around forever, and with the exception of Shran, who wasn't a Starfleet officer, um, what do we really know about Andorians? What, what have we really seen about them, just background characters? So to see one every week, I, I'm really excited for that myself. Yeah, and uh, the only thing we really know about the Enar, which I, I agree with Shannon, I'm going to start saying Enar because that's what the character themselves said, so that's going to be my new uh, adjusted pronunciation. Um, they were in an episode, uh, episode 14, season four of Enterprise called mm-hmm. the Enar. Um, and in that episode, you remember, we actually get to go to Andoria and meet that there is this kind of subspecies of Andorians out there. And then I, you know, I won't spoiler alert in case anybody hasn't seen this 25 years later. <coughs> Paul, excuse me. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I'm a busy guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we find out some interesting things about the way that the Enar interact with, uh, in particular, some technology, and there's some Romulan shenanigans involved. So I love this idea of of bringing that uh, that race, I guess, or that subspecies, maybe of of uh, characters back into the fold. I think that's super cool. Agreed. Now, and as we're... I recall in that episode, um, most of the ENR were blind. Right? That's right. That was... That's one of their traits. Yeah. Yeah. So because they, 
so to me, to have this character sort of pulled out of that context and put into Starfleet is really cool because for him amongst his people, he would not be unusual. But now to place him in this context, uh, his, his blindness is remarkable. But what I love the most about this character is that, in fact, this character is played by an actor who is legally blind. And um, for those who don't know, I know I know the guys here know, but I work in casting uh, for the industry um, in film. And we deal a lot with the question of diversity and representation. And what we see a lot of times is this drive towards diversity uh, in representation, which is great. But what I think we really need is we need diversity in authorship. We don't just yeah. need a picture of something um, that is diverse. We need the real voices and the real understanding of what it means to be an individual of a given race or a, a given background of, of whatever kind. And so to see this character be so prominently yeah. featured and know that an actual blind actor is walking in those shoes and is contributing to that storytelling to me is a really powerful and really positive thing that is exactly the kind of thing I have always believed Star Trek was built to do absolutely yeah. absolutely that's that's star trek at its core right there that's that's it and yeah. you know i love the character when he says well i am a genius mm-hmm. like, okay <laughs> all right you are yeah and, okay. and one of the other mom... thing that i i found this out okay. and i don't know if this is official or not but but i, I was doing some research for the show the transporter chief in that scene that Hemmer is talking to is, mm-hmm. is supposedly uh, transporter chief Kyle, who we see on TOS in several episodes. Um, but I haven't been able to confirm that or not, but that's what, that's what they're saying. So take that with a grain of salt. By the, by the way, my mom's visually impaired, and we've always called it ever since I was little, Spock hearing, because my mom hears – Everything. Now, she's not even a Trekkie, but it's always been Spock hearing because she hears everything you say. And she knows when you're rolling your eyes when you're a teenager. She's, it's just it's the way it is. So. Well, you know, I get a little bit of a daredevil vibe from him because mm-hmm. there's a scene in the trailer, which you couldn't see because we played an audio clip, where I, right. they're, cooking, I, they're cooking somewhere. I don't know where they are, but they're cooking. And somebody throws a mm-hmm. carrot and hammer from behind it. And, and he yeah. just reaches his hand up and catches the carrot behind his head. Um, so I, I get like a no daredevil sense. type vibe, like some spidey senses oh. or something going on force, there. The force um, or something. The force, something. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, weren't the Enars like a telepathic race? Because yeah. wasn't the yeah. wasn't she flying the spaceship around with the Romulans or her brother was or something? It's been a while since I saw that episode. Yeah, Garib. Yeah, uh, th- absolutely. They were there was a telepathic link. I was trying not to reveal too much here since uh, not everybody <laughs> has seen it. But yeah, basically, there's like a there's they use their telepathic abilities to control these Romulan prototype drone ships uh, in that episode. 
So, so maybe all I know is how Jim. He... If you had the antenna, you could catch a carrot too. I know it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I I could do a lot if I had a couple of antenna. <laughs> so I, I I'm really excited about this character. I like I like the way he looks. I like the way they presented him. Um, he's a positive role model so far. What we've seen, and I like his interaction. Uh, mind, it's only a thirty second clip, but. I like the interaction that he, that we see him with with the rest of the crew so far. So I'm really liking this character a lot so far. I and like love, Victoria said, the the fact that it's a blind character playing a blind character just just makes it that much more um, better. You know, it's not it's not a a a, a non blind character try to interpret what a blind character would do. So I'm really liking that a lot. So, anybody else want to add anything about Ortega? Uh, Ortega's I mean, next. That was Hemmer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Ortega's next, right? I'm sorry. About Hemmer? <laughs> no comments about Hemmer? All right. So, the the, uh, the next one goes to Eric. Yeah. So, our next character we're going to feature is uh, Pilot Lieutenant Erica Ortega's, uh, played by Melissa Navia. Um, she appears to have shared a past with Captain Pike at Starfleet Academy in the promo here, and uh, Jim's going to run it, and then we shall chat about her. Okay. Erica, take us closer, please. How close do you want to get? First date or third date? Blind date. Proceeding with caution, sir. Incoming. You know how you used to brag you're going to be the best pilot ever to graduate the academy? What's your point, sir? Time to prove it, Lieutenant. Now we're talking. So, first of all, I absolutely love the look of this character. Like, she has this real kind of like, don't mess with me vibe. Um, <laughs> kind of like a... Con- She's got the attitude of Detmer, right? I am the best pilot, uh, which is one of the things that I really like about Detmer from Discovery. Um, mm-hmm. But then she also just, like, she looks kind of built. And, like, she might kind of mess you up if you looked at her wrong. Uh, maybe a little bit of non-vibe <laughs> there uh, also from Discovery. So she seems really cool. And I like the idea that, um, that there's going to be somebody who knows a little bit more about Pike's past. We were sort of dipping into his future a little bit there, um, which we'll do – uh, a little bit more down the line, but we we need to dip into his past a little bit too. And it seems like maybe there's this character connection that might bring out some of the things that we never knew we wanted to know uh, about Pike. So I'm super excited about her character as well. And you know what? She's got a little, a little bit, bit of that, that Jet Reno vibe, vibe going on. Right? Yeah, yeah Vasquez, yep. Exactly. Vasquez, Jet Reno, like all like a mixture and then Detmer thrown in. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of complexity I think that could come up there, but like you're like a good maybe a good drinking buddy, but like you know I, I you know, know, I know I, Beck would sit down and have a drink with her, I'll tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, totally, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she seems like you're you're like a like a badass. You know, and like, then, yeah. and then get in a bar fight with some Klingons, you know. Exactly, mm-hmm. kick some Klingon butt. <laughs> no, that's that's Beck. Beck does that. <laughs> but I, I I do like I do like the fact that that they're introducing 
you guys have noticed now we have pilots in Star Trek and yeah. they never referred they never had that. Sulu was never the pilot. Um, he now we have na- pilots. They did call him a navigator, but they didn't ne- they never called him a pilot, which I think is really yeah. he, I, he was a totally, helmsman. A helmsman. Right, That's a helmsman. Not right. navigator, helmsman. Mm-hmm. And they and I love that they're calling them pilots uh now because that is what they do. They fly the ship. And um, mm-hmm. this this actress Melissa Navia, uh, which I think is not the first uh, of, that we're going to hear about, you know, does not have a ton of acting credits to her name, meaning that we are seeing some kind of new up and coming talents uh, featured in this show, alongside the Anson Mounts and the people that we have seen before in different things. Um, and so I'm excited to see kind of what Melissa brings to the table that's new and fresh that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And, and I'm liking I'm liking the way that they've written this character so far. We're gonna we're gonna hear more from her in some of the other clips that we're gonna play, but she's definitely Jet Reno ish a lot, which I think is one of the most popular characters on Discovery. So they're gonna carry some of that snark over. So I like it. I like it, and I like the visuals in this particular clip that we see because she's flying the Enterprise. And if you, if you the, the enterprise is yeah. twisting and turning and, and it, yeah. it's just not flying straight. <laughs> like every time we see a space battle, the ships are always straight face to face. Like, but in this clip, she's twisting the ship. It's doing all kinds of, of aerial stunts to the, it, it's, it really looks spectacular. Well, they're, they're definitely mm-hmm. starting to take more liberties with like how they treat capital size ships uh, in Star mm-hmm. Trek, you know, because if you, if you really think about how big these things are and, you know, the agility that they might actually have, it, it you may not be able to turn on a dime uh, every single time, <laughs> you know, with a ship right. that weighs X million metric tons or whatever in space. Um, but it adds a lot of dynamic nature to these scenes. And I think Detmer is the first one that we've seen, you know, doing crazy stuff like spirals and, uh, and the that donut. kind of stuff. Yeah, the donuts. Donut. The, the, the donut. I always think of those. She was so excited to do that. To ride the donkey. Yeah. Would you not be excited to do that? I would be excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would Absolutely. <laughs> well, don't forget, Eric, they have the Heisenberg compensators. That's all you really need. Well, they, they do they, – the Heisenberg you compensators know? save you a lot in Star Trek, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Heisenberg compensators. Done. Next yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. That's all we need. Yeah. They're They'll the take ones care that kind of keep the space-time continuum in line. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I can't, so, I can't uh, wait to hear the science and the next cons because we're talking about new science, basically. Oh, yeah. The new Trekno Babble is going to be amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going awesome. to be quite interesting. So, well, uh, I might hear some this want... weekend because I'm going to see Anson Mount this weekend at oh. Chicago Star Trek. Woo-hoo. Sure, sure, sure. Rub it in. Rub, rub it, it in. in. Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm getting an autograph. What's the problem? Come on. <laughs> and, and and you're getting your Star Trek wine, too. So I am. I'm so cool. excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, the next character that we want to talk about is a chief of security, La'an Noonien Singh, played by Christiana Chong. She has some familiar Ooh. ties to the Trek universe, as her name reveals. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Who could that be? Did we play mm-hmm. a clip from him earlier in the show when Paul mm-hmm. came on? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> here is her promo. Captain Pike, Lieutenant La'an Noonien Singh, Chief of Security. Welcome back and welcome aboard, everyone. 
was a kid. I was the only one to survive. I know what it feels like to be alone. You are. Scared. But I can't just keep running. That's just who I am. So of all the characters that we have, this is the one that intrigues me the most. Um, mm-hmm. she, she's related to Khan. Um, I wasn't aware that Khan had any relatives hanging around these days anymore. Um, well, if you read the books, um, there's his mom was breeding babies, basically, to get the perfect Khan. They were in oh, okay. a complex... Um, they were in a complex, and some of them survived, some of them didn't, but hundreds of children survived from that complex. So it's probably a sibling. Interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see what they do with her. She says she was the only one who survived, whatever that ah. was. So she's mm-hmm. a survivor. Um, she's a t- she, I, I, I'd like to see her and Ortega throw down because they're both badasses. I don't know who would win in that case, but... Um, she seems like a real, you know, a real fighter in this one. In this particular clip, there's all kinds of action and fighting going on, and she's involved in it. Of course, she's the chief of security, and she's wearing a red shirt, so I don't think she's going to die. She's a main <laughs> character. Uh, but the rest of the red shirts are on her. It's open season on red shirts, but uh, not on her. So I'm interested least, to see the background of her. We don't know what's going to happen in the end because, you know, this is the first time we've heard of this character. So obviously she's not still on the Enterprise, you know, some years later. You're right. And, 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 every, and every time I like a character, they kill them off, right? I, well. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that, Jim. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess... I guess what we do know is when we see Space Seed, I don't think that Noonien Singh is a name that uh, Kirk necessarily recognizes right right, right away. So I'm no. assuming that this character is either going to be gone by season two when we see Kirk or they're just not going to interact with one another at all. Um, but it, she is, I agree with you, Jim, she's the one who's kind of the biggest mystery to me because we you know, they don't even really hint in this promo as to whether she is a genetic super person or not, or, you know, maybe she's just got the same name. Maybe she's adopted. Maybe she's not even genetically related. I mean, we don't know. No, <laughs> we don't. It was stated somewhere that she is a relative. A relative. Oh, okay. Um, but that's, to my knowledge, the only thing we have been told so far is that she is related in some fashion Dukan, but yeah. that could mean all kinds of things. Um, right. And, you know, the other question, too, is not just, you know, her, her meeting Kirk, but obviously she is going to interact and meet with Spock. Um, of course, at this point, thanks to Discovery, we've seen that, you know, uh, if, we, if we put everything into its timeline, that uh, Spock was keeping lots of secrets. Um, so maybe this is just one more yes, secret that Spock will keep. <laughs> Well, you know what? Her mother's sister's brother's cousin's sister's aunt's father's neighbor could have shared a room together in college. You know, yeah, or you know, yeah. Scott can know her, but he wants to keep her away from you know Kirk because Kirk jumps every woman he sees. 
That's true. That maybe she gets off That's the ship. That's why I never told her about her sister. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have a sister. Stay away from her. <laughs> well, if you want to get if you want to get really meta about it, Jim, um, Christina Chong, who plays this character, was actually in an episode of a Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who. Um, oh man, she was well, gotta be, yeah, yeah, gotta be good. <laughs> what do you what, what do you think, Paul? What do you think? You're awful quiet over there. What do you think about the con connection? No, I'm just uh, I'm I'm just letting it roll over, friends. Just letting it go. No, I I think that she's looking really solid. I don't know. I mean, they're gonna do something with that connection to to con, right? I mean, they're gonna have to, but because otherwise, I mean, why is it a random choice? Why would you choose that character name? To be their last yeah, name, unless you're planning on doing something with it, right? I mean, it's a it's a pretty deliberate choice, but but she doesn't look. What's nice is as soon as you hear that, right? I mean, immediately your you know fan radar leaps into being, right? And you're like, oh, she's going to be you know, potential, you know, bad, you know, antagonist, right? But 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 nothing about her comes across that way, right? She seems likable. She's vulnerable because she was in some kind of like you know, maybe refugee or some kind of bad situation, which makes you like them. And uh, to me, it's like a theme that you keep seeing with both these characters, all these characters so far, right? Is like, no one's one dimensional. Everybody's got two sides to them, right? They seem like they have a positive side and uh, a more, you know, uh, challenging side, like, like, uh, like Hemmer, right? He's a very arrogant guy. But you know, he's got a disability, and he's incredibly smart, but he's so smart, and he's it's made him a little bit arrogant, right? And you kind of have the same thing with her here, right? She's vulnerable, right? On one side, she's probably got some trauma in her background. But if you look at her wrong, she might just kick your ass. <laughs> That's really an appealing character, right? So there's a really nice duality. I mean, maybe they, you know, because who's more of a duality model than Spock? Right, he's half human and half Vulcan, and he's always got those things warring within them, and that is really interesting stuff for an actor to play with. When you've got those things like that, and everybody in these intros seems like they've got that holding them together. So, I think she's going to be great. I'm really excited to to see her as a character. I'm excited to see them all. And they don't yeah, do I, anything I, by a mistake or by accident. They have it all planned out. No. So you're right. They didn't pick her by mistake. To jump to the conclusion, you know, sins of the father, you know, forefathers, uh, just because she's got that name doesn't mean she's going to be anything like Khan. It's just a question of, to me, what's more interesting is not actually her connection to Khan necessarily, but her connection to this crew and then what mm-hmm. that will do to reinform our perceptions of those that later go on to interact with Khan now having this as part of their backstory. Well, see, and Khan, for, Khan would have mm-hmm. left Earth in the 1990s, I think 91 or 93, mm-hmm. something like that, the Botany Bay leaves Earth. And this right. is what, 22, mm-hmm. 2265. So mm-hmm. we're right. talking Khan generations later, right. like many, many uh so her connection to Khan might be minuscule best. Right. Like it's a distant, distant, distant. She can know what he did, and she's trying to make it better as opposed to trying to – because all the Khans before us, or if you read them, they wanted to take over the world because they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're better than us. So maybe she's right. trying right. to not do that and be a better person. Right. 
Exactly. We'll have to wait and see how they how they write her. So, um, Eric, it's kind of reminiscent, right? Team? It's like you can. Uh... Yeah. Good. It reminds me a lot of like in uh, the original series in Balance of Terror, right? Where it's like you, uh, everyone, you know, it was just you hanging out with Spock. And as soon as they get a look at the Romulans, who they haven't seen in like, a, you know, generations, right? He's immediately put under suspicion, right? It's like, uh-oh, you got this in your pedigree and now we're not so sure about you. And it's kind of a similar thing with her, right? Because it's like they, they may not have as much of an awareness of the con we know, but you know, she's got that name, and who knows? Maybe there's a, a thing where folks aren't quite willing to trust her the same way. So it's interesting stuff. They're given a lot of good, interesting things to, to play with here to engage the audience and make the cast, you know, get a chance to explore a bit. So really good stuff. So far, so good. And, Eric, who's our next character that we're going to talk about? Uh, next we are going to talk about one that I'm – pretty excited about too because they sort of pulled him out of the vault and are going to reuse him again we're talking about uh chief medical officer dr mbenga uh he's back on board the us enterprise and that's right he (laughs) is now being played by uh, a fantastic actor babs olusanmukun uh who is known for several things like he was on black mirror um, the thing that I that I know Paul will appreciate that I, of course, most recently remember him from was he plays Jameis in uh, the most excellent version of Dune that came out last year, uh, the, the person who Paul fights in the final scene of that movie. So, um, so great actor, uh, great to pull this character out again. In case you do not remember uh, who Mbenga was, uh, he is a doctor aboard the Enterprise. Um, He's a guy that we know conducted his uh, medical internship on Vulcan, and that kind of gives him some special knowledge of the physiology of Vulcans. Um, And he was actually later assigned to the Enterprise where, and Jim and I were talking about this before the show. Jim, I actually figured it out. McCoy is always the CMO, but when McCoy is down on a planet, as he often is, as we know in TOS, and Benga is in charge. And so the fact that we only see him in one episode, he's in uh, Private Little War from TOS. Uh, two episodes, just, brother, two. Oh, so he's in, he's in two. Sorry, he's in uh, the, what, the, that something surviving. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, that's the one, that which survived. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> so he's in two episodes, but, uh, but he's supposedly kind of there all the time when, um, when Bones is down on the planet. Uh, you ready to hear a promo? Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. What is this noxious paste you're applying to our skulls? Ground search. Trust me, this will become Federation standard. Eventually. I am Chief Medical Officer on the flagship of Starfleet. Prejudice has kept people from helping each other for centuries. Doctor! Disease and suffering good. with things of the past. I am a physician. There must be another way. So what do you think, Paul? What do you think about this character? I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, it was a wonderful light bulb for me just when they, uh, that promo came out. I'm like, oh, my God, they are bringing him out, right? Because as Eric said, this is going to the, the kind of, you know, a little bit more obscure corner of the, 
original series, right? From a very small character appearance, made two appearances, one in season two, one in season three, but he was great. And just the fact that, you know, uh, that they decided to go down that road. And uh, I love this actor. Fantastic. And anybody who saw Dune, uh, as Eric said, he's just, he's fantastic. He's super hardcore. He's also like a, Third degree Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. So don't mess with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's pretty Is hardcore, that the actor right? or the character? <laughs> the actor. The actor. Yeah. He's, wow. he's serious. He's great. He's uh, he's from Nigeria wow. and he's just super super cool. But uh, uh, I like the fact that he uh, he's acknowledging that there's pre- prejudice that's in the past in the world and it's something you have to deal with. And I like the fact that he's choosing to use a much uh, more specific kind of uh, African accent. He's not just, I mean, Mbenga on the TV show, right? They were in the 60s. He's relatively generic English accent or English voice, right? He didn't have, you know, a real specific ethnic accent to it. This guy is playing him as though he is someone from Africa and giving him that cultural context. And I think that's fantastic. So, I mean, just, what is that, like 30 seconds? Footage you get in these trailers, right? Something Thirty like seconds. Super short. That's all it is. It's a well, lot, look, though. Look how much he look how much he engages you, though. I mean, he's going to be a fantastic character. There's absolutely no about no doubt about it. Um, and I'm I'm super pumped. So I hope we get lots and lots of Doctor Mavenga. And he he smacks the crap out of Spock on TOS too. He does. So. <laughs> but that's because that's because he has the special knowledge of the Vulcan physiology, and he knows that that's what he's got to do to bring Spock around. Yep. <laughs> and this not, guy, no, the only way my wife can communicate with me is sometimes my wife has to just slap me on it and just like, listen, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. And I'll, you know, okay, Turn fine. Turn off that it? Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes so... I take extreme measures. <laughs> hey, we've, we've got a caller on the line here. Woo-hoo. Let's see who we got. Let's see. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Caller? Hello, caller. Okay. Talk well, I guess... I, I, I guess it's a, did you, yeah. Did you unmute him? <laughs> See, uh, yeah, he, the thing he, is, yeah. we're on so many speed dials across the nation uh, and world that um, every once in a while we get a little pocket dial, you know. Yeah, no that's okay. A, avoid it. That's fine. So I'm, I'm excited about this character, too, because we don't really know a whole lot about him. And now we're going to have an opportunity to get to learn with this character and experience him and he appears to be uh, really good friends with Nurse Chapel because all the clips we've seen so far, they've been in together. So, so I think this character you know, kind of ties back to what we talked at the beginning of the show about old Trek fans versus people who have, you know, disregarded Trek in the past. Um, I'm I'm a longtime Trek fan, but uh, TOS predated me by a few decades. So. Um, <laughs> Me, I I didn't know this character. I I didn't remember this character. Um, so to me, this was a new character that I was really excited about. Wait, who who is this guy and what's his story? So to then 
after I saw the promo, discover that, oh, this was actually a character that did already exist in TOS that, you know, that folks who watched that series, you know, when it was new are excited about. To me, this is exactly what we talked about, about bringing in TOS in a way that is exciting for the people who that was their first Star Trek and evolving it and developing it in ways that we've never seen before that people who are new can get every bit as excited about. And I think, Victoria, I also think that because Star Trek is 55 years old, there's a lot of people like my daughter who don't know Mbenga. They don't mm-hmm. know. They don't know Chapel, Nurse Chapel. We're going to get mm-hmm. to her. Um, they don't know a lot of these characters. So when they turn on Strange New Worlds, this will be the first time they experience those characters. And when they find out that those characters have a history, maybe it will spark some something in them, and they'll want to go back and see where these characters came from, and they'll go back and watch TOS and, yeah. and learn, which which is which is great. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really excited about that myself. And um, let's see our next character. This next character is a character that that I think really needs no introduction. Actually, I don't even think she needs a promo because she's like that historic. But uh, Celia Rose Gooden is going to be playing the iconic role of Cadet Nyota Uhura. And mm-hmm. um, some people have said that's the first time that that. Her first name has been mentioned as canon, but I don't think so. Um, I I seem to remember that her name was mentioned in the Star Trek 2009 movie as Nyota. Yeah, I'll I'll say that, that that is where they mentioned it, but they never mentioned it uh, in the Nichelle Nichols days. She talks about that her last name is Swahili, but she doesn't talk about uh, what her first name is at all. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna know that for sure. What do you think, Paul? Are you are you excited about about Ahura? I think I think Paul may have had to have moved on to oh, another call. Yeah, I think I'll, we maybe lost him. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's play a promo. Welcome aboard, everyone. Cadet Ahura, very happy to have you aboard. Glad to be here. Cadet's gonna be pretty impressive to make the cut. I hear you speak twelve languages. Thirty-seven. Wow. What's he saying? Universal Translators and Processing it. Uhura, do something. That's not how linguistics works. Starfield would be fortunate to have an officer like you. Who knows where I'll end up? I guess I'm still searching. So the one thing I got to say about this is as iconic as Ahura was in the 60s, we don't really know that much about her. Mm -hmm. Um, She was more of a background character type of a person um, but as we're learning she's an extremely intelligent character a lot of stuff we learned about her from Zoe Zeldona's version of her in the Kelvin movies but they reiterate that here where she speaks 37 languages she's a smart cookie very yeah. smart mm-hmm. cookie and um, she's very intelligent I mean if you can talk that many languages you gotta be and she's a cadet so this is her training cruise. Um, so this is her, like, her first assignment. And I love, I just love the scene where Ortega says, the universal translator can't pick up on it. Ohora, do something. And she's like, 
That's not how linguistics <laughs> work. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I, just, no. I love that. I love that about her. So I'm really excited about this and to see where they go with this character and to watch her her unfold for our eyes to become the iconic legendary character that we all know she's going to be. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about this. What, what do you think, Eric? Are you, are you psyched for her? Yeah, I'm super excited for her. Um, this is an actress, another actress that we don't have a ton of information about. I tried to find out more about her just by going to who her IMDb, and it's, you know, it's only full of stuff for the last couple of years, and and a lot of it's um, theater or just little little TV spots. So I think uh, this actress is new to us. I think uh, that leaves a lot of kind of unexplored ground that is just I'm very excited about. I mean, obviously. Uhura is one of the most iconic, you know, characters from TOS ever. Um, and they're going to have to show, as you were saying, how she grows into this. I, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see her interaction with Pike, because I think that Pike is going to be the type of captain who is really going to lean into the resources that he has. And I think that he's instantly going to recognize her value on the bridge and kind of give her give her a lot of responsibility. And then I wonder if they'll, you know, what I then want to see as a person who does like serial nature Star Trek these days is I want to see how that affects her character. You know, does she get overpressured? Does it get to her eventually? Or does she kind of, how does she work her way through this kind of like, because being the smartest person in the room can be a big burden. And I, I hope that they are able to also explore that part of her character as well. And did you notice that she's wearing a different uniform? Yeah, that was kind of interesting, too. Um, and I'm assuming that's the cadet uh, uniform, um, which is why I'm, it looks I'm like thinking. that. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, but, but it's not one we've seen before, which is fine. And in fact, it, we haven't really talked about it at all, but just as an aside, since we mentioned it, the uniforms that they have throughout all of these promos and stuff are not identical to anything we've seen in the past but once again like the technology uh, like everything a very nice homage to what we've seen in the past but yet totally updated uh not even afraid to bring in some of the ideas and graphics that they used in the kelvin movies um Mm -hmm. just making them part of this prime canon here i love it and i i want to say i'm glad that they're not running around in mini skirts and go-go boots i'm glad that that look has been like i I totally I completely agree. And also I would love to see some TNG era, like man skirts as well, too, to just like, <laughs> like yes, I, I want to see right. some skins yeah. um, because I, I just, I think yeah. those are a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uniforms are definitely uh, different for sure. I've, Is that I've bad? I really enjoyed the, the evolution of, well, I mean, honestly, the entire evolution of, of Star Trek uniforms from the beginning to all the series, I it's think, deep. has been something that's been fascinating to watch um, because they have gone through a lot of a lot of different phases, a lot of very distinct, you know, eras, as it were. But if you look at it as a whole, overall everything does kind of fit together um, into something that you would see this evolve in a single world. Um, 
so I think that's really fascinating to know that over so many decades, so many different designers and design teams have kind of collectively collaborated into this grand designscape that I think is really fantastic. Um, and I, I, I really like this new addition to it. Um, there's a, there's a certain um, facet of the, of the fan film uh, Star Trek community um, that I have seen trying to uh, take, take some credit, claim, claim that these uh, uniforms are somehow stolen. Um, and I, I get where they would think that because they feel a certain ownership, but the truth is it's, it's so easy to trace. Yeah. If you look at what these uniforms are, you can go step by step back through all of Star Trek and trace where this element came from and this evolved from here. And I just think that that's something we don't really see in, in any other property in the same way. You know, I mean, no, no other show has had quite this long of a span and evolution to look at, but I think it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, the, the one uniform, like Captain Pike wears your, your classic Star Trek gold. He's got yeah. that, 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 that and press captain look. Yeah. I'm like the man and Anson's the man and he can be the man and he's cool. But when you look at some of the other uniforms, Uhura is wearing at first, I thought it was a lower decks uniform. Um, <laughs> it's got the shoulders and it's got the stripe mm-hmm. zigzag, like stripe across the chest. And I thought it was a lower decks uniform. Um, I had to go back and look a couple more times, and I, I think Eric's right. I think it's a cadet uniform, but it reminded me of Lower Decks when I first, the first time I saw it. But number one, and um, uh, is it or, not Ortega? Who is it? Someone else. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Nurse Chapel has maybe the same type of uniform you're thinking of, but with, but in white uh, instead. Right, but she's got the, a white. It's the one that's got like the black stripes on the side versus the it is kind of interesting that the men's uniforms and the women's uniforms are different um yeah the, the women's, women's uniforms have a stripe a black stripe on the side they do, and, I, you do I, and you mentioned and you mentioned no no scants but they uh but the at least some of the uniforms that they revealed do have a little bit of a longer look to them it's not what we see uh number one in i don't think but it is what we see nurse chapel in mm-hmm yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. I really, I'm really, I'm really, really liking what I'm seeing from the uniform so far. I'm digging it. Like Victoria said, it's a, it's a, you can see a transition going on. It's they're really, just, I hate really to good. Say it, but they're just, in my opinion, they're so much better than the Discovery season four uniforms, which I have said since episode one that I hated. Um, and they're just like how they could knock them out of the park on this one, and how those other ones. And I know other people have different opinions, but in my opinion. I just didn't like those uniforms at all. Um, and these ones are fantastic. Well, I like the and... Discovery Season 1 uniforms, which is what I'm packing right now. Oh, yeah. Convict. <laughs> <laughs> those are cool. Yeah. The, the evil Lorca uniform. There you go. Yeah. Okay. We, so... I don't like that, but okay. But I like with the chevrons <laughs> all through with the whole uniform, which is cool. It's the first time we've ever seen that. So... Yeah, I think I, I haven't I haven't paused it a million times to study it, but doesn't Nurse Chapel have that a very similar uniform to Discovery? Isn't her uniform similar to what Culber wears on Discovery? What wore on Discovery? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it reminded yeah, me it's, of that. It's, 
Well, I mean, certainly the white color is uh, very mm-hmm. reminiscent and the, with the black highlights. So, yeah, I would say. But we're going to talk about Chapel here in a minute. Yes. Well, before so, we, so, we got a little sidetracked, but before we completely move on from Uhura, um, one thing that I really love seeing, you know, of course, you know, in, in TOS, Michelle Nichols' Uhura was iconic and was a huge, huge symbolic, um, you know, step. But she kind of got stuck, I think, in a lot of ways as being symbolic. And we didn't really get to dig into who she really was as a person. I love that we're getting a chance to see not just more Uhura, but we're seeing a young Uhura. We're Mm -hmm. seeing her at the beginning of her journey. And yes, we see that she's a very incredibly intelligent, strong, capable uh, cadet. But we also see an opportunity for her to be vulnerable and uncertain because she is just at the start of her path and she doesn't know where she's going. And she, she quite frankly says that, that she's, she's still searching. And I think that that's something that is incredibly relatable on an individual level, but is also, you know, kind of just a, a universal statement beyond that, you know, that we all are searching for where we're going. We're all trying to find our path and who we are. And again, that's what Star Trek has been about, you know. So yeah. I think it's a beautiful representation of that and a great opportunity. And I love to see a young um, actress getting to step into those shoes um, and have an opportunity uh, again, like Michelle Nichols did. But I will tell you this, I am a theater person. And I can tell you that uh, this actress, while she's young and she's relatively unknown, she is, in fact, both a Tony and Grammy award winner already. Yeah. So, she's been on um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a, a Broadway actress, and she's incredible. And, uh, you know, we did, get to, we did get an opportunity in TOS to uh, see her a sing. I kind of really hope we're going to get that again because if we do, Ooh. it's going to be a treat because, <gasps> my God, she's got a voice, you guys. Oh, that would be awesome, Victoria. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly keeping my fingers crossed that at some point there will be an opportunity that that, that will make sense. You know, I don't want it to be just like a cheap gag. Yeah. But if there's an right. opportunity for that to be organic, I would love to see it because she's such a talent. Wow, what a great idea. Well, I love it. You know, the people at Paramount Plus do listen to our podcast on a regular basis, and they do call <laughs> us and ask us what we think they should do. So you never know. <laughs> you can pass that along for me. Yeah, we'll make sure they, they, along, with getting, along with getting Beck to show up on the Enterprise, too. I want to see that happen myself. <laughs> so... <laughs> I loved Beck was my favorite character and you killed her. <laughs> All right. Let's not get into so, this. So, <laughs> Eric, what's our, who's our <laughs> next character promo that we're going to talk about? She's a very, another very uh, famous character. Yeah. Uh, well, we were just kind of hinting a little bit here. Uh, she wears the white uniform. So Jess Bush is now going to be playing nurse Christine Chapel, uh, of course, one of Starfleet's best, uh, and she knows it. So uh, let's play the promo and then we'll chat about uh, Chapel. 
This is Master Chapel. Welcome to Enterprise. Sounds like you're just the person for the job. What job? I'm gonna mess with your genome. Is it safe? Almost every time. I thought you might need to discuss your feelings. I feel I should have seen that coming. Good to get that sometimes. I applaud your performance. Don't thank me. I know I'm good at my job. Yeah, okay. so let me say right off the bat, Eric, I love yeah. it because they always hinted at the relationship between Chapel and Spock and TOS. It never gelled, and you never really knew why, but here we, here we see that. Which yeah, I think, and I always wonder if it's, like, in TOS, you always wondered if it was the relationship or if it was literally just Chapel's obsession. Like, she was almost a little obsessive about Spock at times. Um, so I, and they do show in this promo, they show them on a date. Uh, so there's a, there's at least, uh, for sure, some relationship interaction going on there. Uh, but did you, it, I, I don't know, man, this is the one character that I'm getting a kind of a different vibe from, uh, that I got from TOS. So, so in TOS, obviously she shows up quite a bit. Um, but. I think perhaps because she was played by Majel Barrett, who of course also played number one in the original series, she had this kind of um, uh, quiet uh, confidence about her. Like she always knew what to do and what was going on and in fact could take over for Bones at just about any moment, um, but was also happy to be the assistant. I never got kind of that... uh, over arrogant, almost, uh, or overconfident, almost arrogant edge to her. And I absolutely get that <laughs> off this character uh, from this promo. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's, it, to me, she feels a little bit different from the Christine Chapel that we saw in TOS. And remember that we saw her in the original series. We saw her all the way up to the 2270s when she was in um, Star Trek, the motion picture as well. Um, and she just never came across with that kind of like, edge of arrogance to me so i don't know what do you guys think about that which we're going to watch on tuesday she was chief medical officer on the enterprise in the motion picture too that's right that's right she had been promoted uh to lieutenant by that point yep yep i I, there's a scene in the clip which you couldn't see because it's just the audio where she literally jumps across the hallway and kicks the crap out of this guy i don't know who the guy was i mean i I don't know what (laughs) But she, definitely, she just apparently he needed it. <laughs> there's definitely it. Some, some like Kelvin movie influence, I think, in what I'm seeing in these promos, particularly with her, with her character. So yeah, what like Shannon and Victoria? What do you guys think about ch- the chapel that we see here? Well, I think I think go ahead, Shannon. Okay. To say because I think you know when we saw the original Star Trek, it was still a different time, so women were a little more submissive at that point. But now it's like, no, we're not like that, and especially this is in the future. You own who you are, so if she can kick ass, she can kick ass, and she'll just do that. So. And she so did it, <laughs> allowing them to yeah, it's yeah. allowing them to like expand on that character. Where I agree, you know, in the original series, she was often like, okay, doctor, let me get that thing for you, right? Whereas yeah. now she can actually go out and do her own thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and if you remember- I think that's a very good point um, that Shannon makes, and I would agree. And, in fact, one of my um, – the, one of the lines that really stuck out to me from her promo is, don't thank me. I know I'm good at my job. 
That's that right. is something that I really, I really want to see the surrounding context of that because mm-hmm. yes, in, in the promo, it could come off as being arrogant or overconfident, but I know, and you know, Shannon is a, you know, powerful professional woman. So I'm sure she's been in these shoes too, where you, as, as a woman doing a job, um, occasionally have people be very sort of patronizing and condescending about the fact that you're doing the job you're qualified and capable of doing. <laughs> well, never. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I really want to see the, the surrounding context of that, because I do think that it's possible that what we're seeing in the, the changes in this character are simply about the evolution of our culture and our society and how we view a woman in that role. However, I will also say that, again, like some of these other characters, the character we're seeing here is younger than the character we saw before. So it's also possible that she is, at this point, overconfident and arrogant. And maybe at some point we're going to see her learn a lesson about that Mm -hmm. that will Mm -hmm. change who she is later on. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that yeah, seeing the pre I, what leads to what we see in TOS. That's that's a great uh, outlook on that. Yeah. And speaking of of the '60s, um, I'm sure you guys know this, but there might be people out there that don't. When when the original Cage was shot down, one of the first changes that they made Gene Roddenberry make was lose the woman. We yeah. can't mm-hmm. have yep. a woman as the as the number one on the ship. She's got to yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, people will laugh at it and won't accept it, so dump the woman. Right. And so Nurse Chapel was created at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, the opinion back in the, in the 60s of what a woman could do was totally different <laughs> than what it is today. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right. I was going to wait to get yeah. into that until we got to number one. But <laughs> like I said before, it uh, was predated me by a few decades, but when I, when I was introduced, to Star Trek, um, Voyager was my first Star Trek. So my first Star Trek had a woman in the captain's seat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then at the same time, uh, you know, was, was you know, uh, next-gen, you know, reruns. Um, and so I got to see my first, you know, Star Trek with a, cap- a, a woman in the captain's seat and, you know, Dr. Crusher, and I had all of these, like, great things, and then, like we were talking about, hopefully, you know, this generation of Trek fans will then go back and re-experience and explore the older shows. I went back to TOS, and, of course, by that time, I, I started at the beginning. I started with, you know, Cage, and I was, I was retroactively, by decades, angry <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So angry that like, what do you mean I don't get to watch this show? No, I want to watch this show. I want to watch this show with this captain and this first mm-hmm. officer. What do you mean they said no to this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that viewpoint, I am absolutely ecstatic that we're getting back to a point now where we're exploring that because that's what I wanted to see in the first place. <laughs> You know, and I think I think Eric's absolutely right. I think that um, we're going to see a different chapel because she's being written in a different era. 
even though this is supposed to take place uh, six years before the chapel that we saw in TOS, it's still a completely, it's decades later. So the character is going to be written in a different context than she was in, in 1963. So. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, what do you think, David? Oh, hi. <laughs> Uh, I think no chapel might be from the mirror universe, and then they're going to replace oh, that. That was quite a lot. She doesn't have a goatee, so she can't be from the mirror universe. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she needs a short skirt and a blade. Oh, that's true. She needs to have a mini skirt and a knife. That's right. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so the next character that we want to talk about has a really, really deep connection to Nurse Chapel. Um, Ethan Peck is going to play the half-human, half-Vulcan, quite simply Spock, as he says. And uh, let's play his promo. Emotion is logical. Knowledge is vital. We have less than one hour before comet impact. You do a lot of reminding people of deadlines, sir. She does have a point, Spock. On my world, I was forced to prove I belong. In Starfleet, I am accepted for who I am. Half human, half falcon. I am, quite simply, Spock. Uh-huh. You know, I love that. I am, quite simply, Spock. What more needs to be said? <laughs> I'm quite simply Spock. So, you know, <laughs> any time that we can add to a character that we that we know and love like we do Spock, it's a win-win situation for everybody. And in this particular clip, which you couldn't see, there's a, there's a shot of him on Vulcan fighting with the Vulcan. What were they, Leary? What were they called, Leary? Leary? Oh, yeah, what's the weapon oh. called, yeah. The big hatchet-looking thing that has the weird blade on it, yeah. Yeah, we actually get to see Spock fighting. I, I'm assuming well, that would have been Stan or Tupring. Uh Well, uh, the thing is, the thing is, is we see that in TOS, so I gotta believe that that's. I mean, they can't be the same scene, right? Unless they're gonna flash to that. Well, actually, no, that's right. In the in the TOS, he ends up fighting Kirk. But it, why would he fight Stan? Because the whole idea is that Tupring chooses. Kirk to fight for Stan, you know, in the TOS episode. So I, the, maybe it's like a training exercise or something. I was a little confused by that. But we do get to see that mock time thing again with the, the fighting on the Vulcan stands, which is really cool. And we it's get to see Tapring. A Lerpa, that's it, the Lerpa. Yeah, uh, yeah. We see Tapring and Spock engaged here and and uh i don't know if they're pond firing or not but but no so from tos uh we know that they're basic basically betrothed to one another right and to me we are and just going to be a little curmudgeon here a little bit we already know how it ends up <laughs> like <laughs> We know that it doesn't work out, right? Spoiler. So, so yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it doesn't work out. So why am I interested in seeing this part of the story? I kind of feel like 
they had to give some kind of story to Spock. And so they tried to find the one thing that they hadn't explored too much. And maybe it's uh, this Dupree thing. And that's why they're going to give us three episodes on it. But um, to me, it just is one of these things where if I already know the outcome, uh, it's less interesting to me. And, and, and I don't count that Pike knows where he's going. <laughs> I don't count that oh, okay. because, he's got a, because he's got a lot to do before he gets there. <laughs> but like, you know, haven't we explored the human side of Spock to death? Oh, my God. We need more of that. I'm sorry. That's well, just my thought he, on this particular promo. He's quite simply Spock. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, you know quite simply. Uh, give him something yeah, I mean, to do. I don't know. This this will give them a chance to, to explore Vulcan, which, you know, That'll we've be seen more time you know, a little bit of. Some mm-hmm. time on Vulcan, and uh, you know, maybe we'll see Tapau. Maybe we'll get an opportunity to see Tapal. She would be around mm-hmm. at this time. That would be, um, that would be so. Awesome. I mean, people got to remember that Enterprise overlap would overlap this because Vulcan has lived to 250 years old. So mm-hmm. we could see Tapal. We could see Tapau. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons we could go to Vulcan. So. You know, it might be and more than Farrick. just a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Farrick might might be bouncing mm-hmm. around too. So you know, we'll have to wait and see why they go to Vulcan. So <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by that whole thing. And I will say this: the scenes that they do show in the 30 second clip, which is brief, um, of Vulcan and and the battle. I'm assuming that Spock fighting because Spock says in the promo on Vulcan, I was forced to fight. So um, I'm assuming the fight scene that we see is Spock is just outstanding. It's, it's so yeah. different than what we saw in the TOS, a mock time version. It's, it's uh, the atmosphere is there. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing just feels just incredibly awesome. I'm really psyched to see it, what it's all about. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm digging this. I'm just hoping and, that the uh, they're not going to repeat a mock time where he's going to have to fight Pike or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is they can't do that again because that was a special thing about that episode, and that's why I think that whole Lerpa like fight scene has to be it has to be training or it has to be over some other. Like it doesn't have to be the Calafi, right? It has it could be some other Vulcan ritual that we haven't heard of before. I hope they go there with it. Right. They can right. just come up with something else, like Worf had that thing where they hit puberty and did the pain stick so that we didn't know totally. that. They can just put yeah, something yeah. else in. Yep. Yep. I think, and, I think and, any excuse to, you know, enjoy the, the sweeping sort of landscape and just, just the just the sort of epic sense of being on Vulcan, I think, uh I'm definitely down for, but I do, I do hope we see something new, but I think, you know, what he says there, he says he was forced to prove himself. You know, he was forced to prove that he belonged. That, that can be about that fight, but that's so much more as well. Um, and so I think, I think that this is one of the promos that we could spend all night theorizing and trying to pick up all the clues and chances are we would still be way off base when we actually get what we get. And 
Did you notice in the in the promo Spock's quarters when they show him sitting in the in the quarters and he says quite simply on Spock in his quarters those were the same quarters that we saw on Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Which I thought was was cool that they kept the same aesthetic to it. They didn't change it, which mm-hmm. I thought, you know, those type of details that they didn't let that slip. That was that was really cool. And on a sidebar, I met Ethan Peck uh, at a convention pre-COVID, and he was the coolest dude you'd ever want to meet. He really understands what it means to, to, to take over the Spock character. He wants to do it right. He wants to do right by Leonard and right by the fans. And he was just a really genuinely warm, open, uh, friendly guy who was just, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. So if you get a chance to meet him, please, please do, because he was so cool. So cool. <laughs> so anybody, anybody want to add anything to Spock before we get to our next awesome promo? Oh, all right. All right. So, Eric, who's next? We're running out of people, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's only two big ones left, and uh, of course, we all know who Jim's gonna gonna finish with. So, let me <laughs> be excited about who I get to finish with, um, which two is snaps. probably the probably the character <laughs> that I'm the most excited about um, because we only got a little bit of her, and I think there is a ton of space to explore here. So, of course. We're talking about Rebecca Romaine uh, as Una Chin Riley, which is, first of all, completely awesome because she has moved from being uh, number one to being Una to now actually having a last name. Um, so we're already learning all kinds of new stuff about our character that we haven't learned before. And as you will remember, to just uh, kind of go back in time, this was the character who was played by Major, Major Barrett back in the TOS days. Uh, of the cage uh, who was uh, kind of forced out. Uh, number one became Spock uh, in a lot of ways and uh, and they got rid of her character and they recast Major Barrett uh, in the role of Nurse Chapel. And so until we got to see them bring Rebecca Romaine in uh, to Discovery Season 2, uh, we didn't really know too much about her. And then we started to learn a little bit more and then we saw that totally awesome short, uh, which I have lost the name of right now. I had it in my notes. Um, but Q&A. You know, Q&A, thank you very much, mm-hmm. uh, which was an amazing, just like 15 minutes of her and Spock in an elevator. Like how, how interesting can that be? And singing. Turns, turns out really interesting. Yeah, yeah and singing. Yep, and <laughs> <Exactly>. singing. <laughs> which I will tell anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I am a musicals guy. So I'm always about the singing. Like if you want to break in a song or you want to break that fourth wall, <laughs> I'm your man. Uh, please do it. So uh, I've talked already too much. Jim, roll the promo and let's talk about this character. Let's roll it. All I ever wanted since I first saw the stars was to join Starfleet. You're the best first officer in the fleet. You're an example to all of us. As a senior officer, I don't get to be part of the crew anymore. Oh, no, that's not because you're a senior officer. It's because you terrify people. <laughs> Battle station! Security breach at airlock four. Who's back up? I'm your backup. You're fun. Oh, yeah. man. That, wow. that is such a cool <laughs> promo, Jim, because it gets you her serious level, but it also gets you her, like, level that, that might break in a song. 
that's right. <laughs> um, so I just am so excited about the way that Rebecca Romaine is portraying this character right now. I'm so excited about exploring the depth of her character a little bit more. It's obvious that Pike has a super affinity for her and understands kind of like the value that she brings to the table. Um, and they're just going to get a chance to really explore that pretty deeply in this series. And I, I just, I can't wait to learn more about her. And in the trailer, which you couldn't see, um, number one is fighting Leon, uh, Nooney and Singh. Uh, it, it looks like they're in engineering. They have a fight. And I'm, I'm assuming that Pike is dressing her down for that fight in the beginning of the scene when he says, you know, you're, you set an example for us. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, I don't know for a fact, but she does fight and it does appear that she's getting talked to by Pike. Uh, so, so there's something goes on. And also they're having a, somebody takes over the ship. Uh, Cause it, there's, there's also, there's a lot of fights in this particular clip that you can't see uh, on the radio. A lot of action, <laughs> a lot of action. So number one is another badass female character. Um, on this show. And again, they had to cut her from the cage completely. So now she's getting some vindication, which is great. You know what? You know what I think I'm going to do on the night that this premieres on May 5th, I am going to get for dinner a cheeseburger and French fries with habanero sauce, just to honor Una here. Uh, because that of course is what <laughs> she orders uh, in an Obel for Charon, uh, the discovery episode. Um, it's, it's her, it's her replicator jam, man. You got to order that. That's Damn. right. <laughs> oh boy. What do you, what do you think, David? What do you think about number one? Are you excited about her? I'm excited about all of them, to be honest. Um, I can't wait for May 5th because I'm thinking I might order myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good Star Trek watching food, man. <laughs> and don't, we'll have some. And don't forget, that's also going to be the finale, of the season finale of Picard. So you got to have some Earl Grey piping hot. Yeah, or a glass of red wine. Yep, or Chateau Picard. So yeah, I, I think the more that we can learn about number one, uh, the short trek, I, I found the character to just was incredible sitting in an elevator with Spock and she was awesome. And we only see her briefly, but the few times we've seen her, Rebecca seems to really have the number one vibe going on. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, things must be very interesting around her house because there's two number yeah. ones that yeah. live there. Rebecca <laughs> is married to Jerry O'Connell who plays who? Who, Eric? He's very he bothered that. that. He plays Ransom. On, yeah. Uh, on, yeah, the Sliders guy. He, she plays Ransom, who's the number one on uh, Lower Decks. So you got two number ones together in the same house. In well, that must be house. interesting. <laughs> Living together, number one and number one. One and one A. Pretty cool. Didn't they and also I really like. They got a dog named number one? What's that? Possible. It's possible. I know on Picard season one, his dog was named number one, but I didn't. I wasn't sure about some reason they got a dog named number one. <laughs> yeah, the season one, his dog was number one as well. Yeah, yeah, could yeah. be. By the way, in case you all haven't seen this one, on the librarian, she is the guardian, and she's the kick-ass woman there that protects the librarian. Like that's yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah, that's another fun fact. Awesome. And 
I yeah. think I think that Rebecca Romaine has been uh, far too underrated for far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think she's, uh, you know, a, a classic example of getting put into uh, the hot box, you know, like yeah. uh, like so many <laughs> uh, really talented but wow. very beautiful actresses have. Um, she is undeniably a gorgeous, stunning woman, but she's extremely talented. She's extremely smart. And I really loved a lot of the things that she's done, but I, I feel like this was just one of those cases of casting where it was just kismet. I yeah. think it almost, it feels like we had to wait this long to get this character again, because we almost had to wait for the timing to be right for it to be her because mm-hmm. she's so right for it. Um, it's just, it's a delightful character and she's doing amazing things with it. And I can't wait to see what else she does uh, on, on this whole season and beyond. So Victoria, I'm interesting, like based on what you just said. So one of the things that I have been concerned about, which I really, really hope they avoid, which is exactly what you're talking about is putting her in that hot box mm-hmm. and actually like mm-hmm. having somebody make a comment or, um, you know, even if it's an alien species that brings it up uh, during the show, I feel like that will just, that will just cause that house. It shouldn't be a house of cards, but like that house of cards to crumble. Right. Um, so I, I, I have a lot of faith in the writers of strange new worlds. that They are not going to take it there, but I think we all recognize the danger uh, that exists there with her character. I think yeah, I think there's I think there's potential for that. I I hope, and this is a, a broader spectrum thing for myself as a woman and as an actress, um, you know, and and also someone who works with a lot of other actresses. Uh, you know, I think that the ultimate goal that we would like to see is a scenario in which a character can be both. Yeah. And it can mm-hmm. be acknowledged that yes, this is this person is attractive, but that's not who they are. Right. We don't right. we don't have to ignore it. We don't have to try to cover it up or distract from the tra- the fact that she's a beautiful woman. That's simply a fact, but it's it's irrelevant to anything that's that it's irrelevant to. It's only relevant when you know that's part when of the context. Like in the same way that they used Uhura when she did the fan dance, maybe like that's what I'm hoping for. Is like they only really talked about that with Uhura when it became plot-wise more uh, advantageous, right? So I hope they only go there with with number one now. Yeah, I, well, hope, I hope it doesn't become a joke or or right, a, you right. know, um, or a, a you know quick easy sort of like oh you know, sex appeal puts, you know, male viewers in seats, you know, sort of situation. Um, That's not to jump shows, but that's something I've been really enjoying about seeing Jerry Ryan again on Picard. Mm -hmm. Um, That that finally she gets to not just be the one in the sex chat suit. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, I think, Um, the, the the character that's coming to my mind is the Romulan commander from the Enterprise incident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she totally was a military charge. commander. She she yeah. ran her ship and and she was mm-hmm. in combat and blah blah blah. And then she goes down to her quarters with Spock and she says something like, uh, "Let let let." She says something like, "Let the military commander leave and the woman come out" or something like that. But it, and, but, and, it's and not, she, but that's it. 
but that's where they leave it, right? And they don't take well, it any further, which is the magic of it. Right. And, I'm, you know, they would handle it in that way. Totally. Well, I have to say, but like when Seven came back, I think she's, as a straight woman, I can say she's way hotter and cooler as herself now. Right. When she's wearing, yeah, when she's like, you yeah. know, doing her job and kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, it's just, before she was just, oh, she's a hot chick, great. That doesn't, right. that wasn't, I didn't think it promoted the storyline at all. Yeah. yeah. But now she's actually doing stuff and she's dressed like a regular person and she's way cooler now, so. And that's it. I I loved Seven as a character, you know, when we got to see her be a character. Yeah. Like, when we got to see her, she actually had story and she had a purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved loved her. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think think it's it's far more satisfying, at at least least Mm -hmm. speaking for myself and I think uh, Shannon Mm -hmm. agrees. Hopefully uh, we're we're Mm -hmm. safe and speaking for a lot of other women to say that, um, What's what's really what we want to see is we just want to see women who get to be everything mm-hmm. that they are in their skin without it having mm-hmm. to be something that has to be commented on all the time, something that has right. to be you know valued. Um, to just to just let a female character exist in right. every facet. Of of her identity, I think is something that we we've been waiting a long time for, and that we're mm-hmm. moving towards. And again, like so many other of these examples, I think Star Trek is a really great place for it, um, and my hopes are very high. And 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 on that note, on that note, we're going to move on to the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Mr. Anson Mount himself, <sighs> as Captain Christopher. No, I'm going to try not to objectify him either. So, you like that hair, though? Come on! Oh, he's just <laughs> oh. so cool. Um, you know, in the words in the words of Captain Pike, it's a dangerous job, so let's try to have some fun. Pike orders his yeah. crew. So uh, let's play the Pike. Let's play the Pike trailer. Unauthorized trips into non-Federation space. I'm not playing fast and loose with the rules today. I know me, the Boy Scout. I know exactly how and when my life ends. Knowledge of death is vital for effective leadership. I can't stop saying it. Will make me hesitant? How will it live in me? Wow. Wow. (laughs) You know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you guys already know that when they introduced Captain Pike on season two of Discovery, that was it for me. He became my favorite captain ever of all captains. And we only saw him briefly and and really liked the fact that he respected his crew. He made a point of knowing all their names and calling them by name. He listened to what his crew had to say. He he was just your all around. He he wasn't afraid to go down and fight and kick some butt like Kirk would do at the drop of a dime. But he also had that Picard, you know, diplomat in him. He was a perfect mixture of all of those things. I loved I loved what they did with his character. And 
When they brought him in on Discovery, we had a fractured crew that had been betrayed by their captain. And here, here comes Pike to repair that damage, prove to them that, you know, your captain doesn't have to be, you know, an evil mirror universe clone deal. Uh, you can trust your captain and, and your captain is here for you and repair all that damage that was done. And I, I love his character. I loved him from the minute he stepped onto the bridge when he showed him his grades. And he said, yep, that's an F in physics or whatever it was right up there. And he pointed out his flaws to the crew. And he just came across as, you know, the type of captain that I would follow without question. So I am so, so excited to see him with his own crew and to see how he unfolds the Captain Pike character. Uh, I, I can't say enough about him. I'm just thrilled to see this show. You know, Pike is the man. Eric knows how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, Jim, I mean, I, I think Shanna was talking about it a little bit earlier at the top of the show. Uh, we, for the first time, are seeing a season based on a captain who knows how they're going to die. Like, he knows how he goes down. He knows his own mortality. And that's kind of constantly in the back of his brain. And, in fact, one of the things that you didn't see on the audio of this promo was that they show, they flash a scene where he looks at a reflection in his, um, in his command chair there, in the glass in his command chair, and he sees the, you know, the, 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 the beeping wheelchair version of himself with the, the Delta Burns. Um, so... I, to me, uh, I'm really interested in his character from the standpoint of how do you how do you write a character that's interested in and motivated to help his crew and kind of like do all of these missions when he knows he's going to meet a pretty nasty end uh, when it all comes down to it. Uh, that's fascinating for me, and I I just for that reason I'm very excited about him. I, I don't have quite the man crush that, <laughs> that Jim has on Pike, but I will say that he is a darn good captain. Um, and I, the the thing that Jim mentioned already that I respected the most about him from Discovery was that he engaged with his subordinates right away and kind of like made a personal connection with, with each one. We forget at this point that when Burnham calls Owushikun Owu, that's because Pike called her that first. Um, so I just think that's a cool, like little uh, thing that sort of like is pulled through from oh. season one to season two to season three. Um, yeah. So yeah, super excited about him. You know, I think we talk a lot about, you know, the debates of, you know, who, who's the greatest Star Trek captain. You know, I, I've, I've literally been seeing those debates my entire life. Um, you know, Kirk versus Picard and Cisco and everything else. But the thing about Pike, particularly Anson Mount's Pike, is that he's not just a captain. He's a leader. Right. He is, he is a leader of men. You could take him off the starship. You could take him out of Starfleet. You could put this, this human being into any other context, and he would lead the people around him. Yeah. Because it's his nature. It is, it is fundamentally who he is, that he sees mm-hmm. the people around him for who they are. He sees their, their strengths and their potential. He sees their, their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities, and he embraces all of that 
and brings them together in a way that builds them, not just as individuals, but also as a cohesive unit. Um, and to me, mm-hmm. and that's, that's phenomenal. And the question of how do you write a character who is this captain mm-hmm. who knows what his end is going to be, I think they're going to do that by, by allowing him to ask those same questions. I think that's what we're going to see. I think the writing is going to be an exploration of that very fundamental question. How, how do I continue to be the person I've been knowing where I'm going to end up? Yeah. And that to me, I like, I'm so excited for that. I, I cannot wait to walk that journey with him in, and see how, as much as we struggle with how do you possibly write that, him struggle with how do I possibly live that? I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I and, and one of the things I've been hearing from a lot of other Star Trek fans on boards is that by having this show, they've, they've changed the character of Pike. He's no longer the same character because now he knows his destiny, whereas before he did not. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We don't know that. I, we don't know that. Well, well, I mean, I, mean, I think that's when we see him in the cage. We don't know what he knows, right? We get so little information about the actual character. Right. I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, Discovery hadn't been written yet, so so uh, right. you know, uh-huh. so. But I, I, I like I said, I'm just really, I want to see how he handles that how he carries himself, the dignity of the character, knowing what's going to happen. It's yeah. going to be a really great journey to go on. And we do see in the clips, he leans on Spock for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he asks Spock, how can, how can that live within me? And I'm, I'm interested to see where that journey takes him and how Spock, because obviously mm-hmm. Spock develops a deep relationship with Pike. Because he helps him, he, he brings him back to Talos Four and violates Captain Kirk's trust and orders to do that. So so obviously Spock and him build a very deep and meaningful relationship, and we're going to see that happen on this show. Well, and so what, Victoria said, what Victoria said about uh, Pike being the leader and that kind of being the like prime <laughs> thing about his character that. I, I mean, you can argue that Kirk was a leader, that that Picard was a leader, but but I agree. You could take him, you could take Pike out of this context, and and he would still be a leader. And so that is the kind of new thing that they're bringing to his character. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think that uh, the reason Spock and Pike has a really deep relationship is because I think somewhere down the line they're going to get into conversation about his ending and mm. Spock will mm-hmm. mind meld with Pike. And oh, that's when he will probably end up feeling sorry for him in a way that, you know, that's probably how their relationship is going to go, where they're going to end up knowing how the ending is going to happen. However, they don't know when. So I'm wondering if right. Pike, if Pike's uh, storyline might be the fact that he's trying to change the oh. future. Oh, interesting. So he, mm-hmm. He's going to try and find a way to like change the outcome, basically. 
and uh, that's what I would well, we, do. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I told them they couldn't though. Well, once they touch, once they touched the crystal, that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you remember David Spock, that wouldn't be the first time because Spock did mind meld with Kirk to remove the memories mm-hmm. of Miramani. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, Spock has done that before. So he, it's possible that he could do that to Pike to remove that doubt from Pike, like like he of did for Kirk. Will be your the the tense is wrong because this is in the future for them. Right. 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 Yeah. No. Good. Well, I, well, what I'm saying is that that we know that the character is capable. We know that Spock can do it because he does do it. So, you know, it's 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 a completely plausible thing that could be done. Yeah. Or will be done before it was done. Whatever. We know that it can happen. Will be done. Will be time travel. Will be done. Yeah. Time travel is so confusing. I failed temporal mechanics at the academy. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> so, guys, um, that wraps up our show. Let's go around the room. Uh, so, Victoria, uh, what are your what are your final thoughts on Strange New Worlds? We've heard, we've listened to the teaser trailer, we listened to the season one trailer, we've heard all the promo trailers for all the characters. What are your final thoughts? What are you expecting? What are you hoping? Um. I I think honestly this is probably the most excited I have been. Um, you guys asked me months ago, uh, the last time I was on the show, um, what I was most excited about at that time. This was before you know we had the latest seasons of Picard and Discovery, and we had just sort of this slew of things out in front of us. And you said, "What are you the most excited for coming up from new Star Trek?" And I said at that point strange new world i had no idea at that point how excited i was actually going to get um seeing all of this new material i i am thrilled to see what looks like a really strong ensemble cast with established uh you know known actors uh that we know we can rely on to portray these beloved characters as well as these new young talents that are you know kind of stepping into the spotlight here um, that's really fun for me as, as an actor as well as an audience member. Um, so I just I really hope that we see all of the promise that I feel these uh, promos and teasers have offered us uh, really really pay off um, and, and come together. And how about you, Shannon? What what are your hopes for Strange New Worlds? Well, I was really excited when we found out. You know, it's almost like Carter was going to come back because that's awesome. But I'm just so glad that we now get to see the TOS people because of the misogyny and blah, blah, blah. Even though I grew up with it, it was not my favorite show. But I'm hoping that I can embrace it in the way I did the card because now I can like the characters without all the misogyny and, you know, learn about the new characters. And, of course, Ansem Mount's awesome. So I want to see him every week. You're going to see him next week, actually. Make sure you tell him Uncle actually, Jim Friday. thinks he's awesome. Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, what man, I'm supposed to get the autograph for you. So. I wish I could be there. And how about you, David? What are your final thoughts on Strange New Worlds? Well, it's definitely going to be a strange adventure. <laughs> um, That's I'm, for I'm sure. Most excited. 
I'm most excited for new things to appear in Star Trek. Uh, we have always heard Klingon, Romulan, Cardassians. I'm hoping for a new type of alien that may or may not be heard about, about again in the future, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, he does say, uh, uh, Pike does say, if, if you want to adventure, you've got to go where the aliens are, and it mm-hmm. seems that's right where they're going to go, so we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Eric? Strange New Worlds. What do you think? What's your most exciting? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm super excited for the show, uh, Jim. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do my thing where I play a little bit of devil's advocate, and I will say that the one thing that I hope that Strange New Worlds does not do is reverse any of the progress that I feel like we've made with regards to Michael Burnham being our captain of choice uh, in a Star Trek uh, series. Like, um, I think she brings a fresh perspective based on uh, who she is and the type of character that she is and her background as a character and as a person. And, um, you know, there's a little bit, uh, I remember when we talked about um, Discovery Season 2, there was a little bit of this um, kind of like white knight riding into a weird situation and saving the day sort of thing that I felt about Pike a little bit. And I'm hoping that um, that my, my fears about that are quelled and that there is enough from the Uhuras and the Mbengas and the other people on the cast to sort of offset this fact that we have a very charismatic uh, and obviously very awesome captain <laughs> um, and actor, uh, honestly, representing the captain. Um, so I'll say I'm super excited about all of the characters, but let, let's not, uh, let's hopefully not see a series that completely usurps the, po- the uh, popularity of Discovery, which I think took Star Trek in a slightly different direction that was well-deserved and needed and very positive. Well, for me, I, I, one word, Pike, that's all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'll leave it. But um, I I think that having, I think that having Pike on the bridge, uh, we got to remember, like you were talking about Burnham with Burnham, we went on the journey. We saw her fall from grace and we were there. And we watched her fight her way back and, and earn the captain's chair, earn the respect of her crew. And she basically is a green captain. She's, she's uh, you know, she's a freshman at this whole thing, and she's learning the trade. Uh, Picard, he's at the end. Uh, he's not even a captain anymore. He's at the end of his career. Things are winding down for him. But Pike, Pike is right in the heart of it. Pike, Pike is at riding the wave of his captaincy. He's right there in his prime, right there. So we, well, know, we have three different perspectives from three different shows. It's true. And, and Jim, what I think that, uh, what, I guess what I'm saying is that I hope what we don't see is, the, is a pike that is exactly a Picard, which is a dude who always knows what's up. And, I, and trust me, Picard's my captain. He's like my number one. But also... I completely agree with, you know, things like sheer effing hubris and that sort of stuff about (laughs) Picard because he does come across as a little bit arrogant and as a little bit kind of always knowing 
that he knows the right answer all the time, despite the fact that he does get feedback from a lot of people. So I think what we're going to see from Pike, and I'm hoping what we're going to see from Pike, is this guy who, who's like season three Discovery Pike, who asks everybody's name and gets everybody's opinion and makes sure that he takes everybody's opinion into consideration before he makes any decisions. That's the guy who we need running the bridge of this show. And, yeah. and I think based on what we saw in the trailer, you know, he yeah. turns to Una and he says, well, I love this part of the job. And he goes to <laughs> Ortega. He says, you know, remember when you said you wanted to be the best pilot? Prove it. Um, now is the time to do to, it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, that, that rapport that we've seen him have with his bridge crew, albeit briefly because these are only 30-second clips, but I think is that type of captain. I think it's, it's the same going in a good direction. Yeah, yep. what we saw on Discovery where, you know, it's like, hey, like, I'm the captain, but you're the pilot, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also, and that, I, what do you think? Right. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. I love I love Picard, too, but another key difference that I think is very fundamental here that will keep Pike away from that is we see Pike's struggle. He doesn't do it alone. You know, when mm. Picard is struggling with something, Picard's very self-contained. Yeah, he does not right. share mm-hmm. his vulnerabilities. But Pike does. Pike, we see him turn to Spock and say, how do I do this? So I think I think we're going to see um, a captain who's very competent and knows how to do his job and is very capable, but is unafraid to be human at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really special, and I think that's a big part of what makes him a leader and makes him a, a captain that everybody willingly follows is because there's that understanding that while he is the captain, he is also human um, and is, you know, prone to the same uh, struggles and doubts that everyone is. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have too much to worry about on, on that side. I think there, he may have other flaws, but I don't think that particular one is one I'm very concerned about. No, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be a great captain. I think they put a great crew around him. They're giving us a lot of opportunities to learn about a lot of characters that were background characters and learn about new characters on top of that. Um, mm-hmm. The visuals that I've seen in all of these promos and the two trailers we've seen have just just blown me away they're stunning they're 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 top notch they could easily be in a movie from what i've seen so far um and and as much as they have given us and and put on the table before us that i'm really excited about too at the same time we have to know that as much as they've given us there's so much more because they're not going to give away all their secrets in the in the trailers um no so I'm also really excited to see what they haven't told us yet. I'm excited for the surprises. And and that's what makes it great. That's what makes Star Trek so special because we can all get together and talk about these things week to week to week. And that's what makes it so special. It brings people together like we're doing right now and like all you guys are doing out there that are listening to us right now. That's what makes Star Trek so special. So... We we are out of time, guys. We uh, believe it or not, it's hard to believe. So um, yeah, so make sure you guys watch Star Trek: The Motion Picture 4K Director's Edition tomorrow, 
or Wednesday on uh, Paramount Plus and join us on Thursday for our special Star Trek The Motion Picture Extravaganza. It's going to be a lot of fun. You definitely don't want to miss that. And uh, make sure you head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. That way you'll never miss a podcast. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for Paul. For uh, he, had to, he had to run, but thank you, Paul, for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. And, of course, thank you so much to David for uh, Trek Talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been fun. Uh, it's always fun, isn't it? And I also want to say thank you so much to <laughs> Shannon for taking time from her packing to uh, hang out and truck talk with us tonight so much. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. I'm glad you did tonight so I could do this. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you put down your suitcase and, and picked up the phone and chatted with us a little bit tonight. And <laughs> I definitely want to report from, from Star Trek Chicago. And yes, make sure you please. say hello to the... Uh, to the people at Star Trek Wines for us. Say hello to Greg Oh, I will. I'll stop there to pick up my wine. Yes. And Heather Torres and tell them, tell them how much we appreciate mm-hmm. what they did for us and hope everything worked out. So thank you so much for I that. I will do that. Thank you. And definitely thank you. Thank you so much to the kicker of Klingon butt, the one and only Victoria Fox. <laughs> thank you for hanging out, Woo-hoo! taking time out of your busy schedule to Trek Talk with us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure and always nice to, you know, hear from Shannon and, and the other folks that call Aww. in. Um, and hey, I, I'm down to come back in a month from now. Let's talk about it again. <laughs> oh, we, we definitely are. Like I said, uh, May 5th will be the, the season two finale of Picard and the premiere of Strange New World. That's going to be a show, a big show. So maybe it'll be then. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, no. It'll be it'll be the following week because we're always a week behind. So it'll be <laughs> it'll be the week after that. But at any rate, and of course, of course, what would Trek talking be without Eric? So thank you so much, Eric, for Trek talking with me again on Monday after we just did the the wine show on uh, Saturday and last week's Trek talking. So thank you so much, Eric, for hanging out and Trek talking with us again tonight. I have to tell you, there's no better way to fill my schedule than talking about Star Trek. And it was great (laughs) to hear uh, all of our callers and to have Victoria back on the show and Shannon and David, who's been calling in every week. I love it. Uh, It's so much fun. So thank you to everyone. And uh, yeah, this show is going to be awesome. Woohoo! I'm excited. I I can't wait. I can't wait. And of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody... Please be good to each other and stay safe. And remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans, and you better believe that. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Good night. Hi, guys. L-O-I-P. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.